0: This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. You know what frustrates me? It's when my beautiful godly sweet wife interrupts me and finishes my sentence and she's wrong about what I was going to say you got anybody like that in your life (laughs) now to be clear I'm pretty sure my wife learned that from me right like she probably just like picked that up from me uh but do you have anybody like that in your life? They, they'll, they'll just interrupt you. They'll finish your sentence. Like, that's supposed to be romantic, right? When you live with somebody, you know, they just know you so well. They finish your sentences. Except when whatever they say is nowhere around, like, the ballpark of what you were about to say. It, well, it usually gets worse when the interruption comes and then the, you know, I'm going to finish your sentence. And I'm like, no, that's not it. And then she takes another stab at it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, what I'm no, that's not it. That, to be to be clear, I'm I'm certain that my beautiful, godly, sweet, um, precious wife learned that from me. But maybe you have somebody like that where you you think they you think they know where you know. Maybe you're that person. You think you know. Maybe you're the interrupter. You know. In our text in Luke 19 this morning, the disciples. Uh, they thought they knew what was about to happen. They thought they knew what Jesus was about to do. And, and Jesus teaches them a parable. He gives them a story that packs a punch, that, that makes a big idea point. He teaches them a parable to say, no, 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 that's not, what I, that's not what's about to happen. <laughs> you think you know what's about to happen, but no, 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 that's not what's about to happen. So I want you to follow along as I read in Luke chapter 19. Uh, this, this parable, picking up in verse 11, and let's see what the disciples thought was about to happen. And let's see what Jesus tells them is going to happen. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 11. And as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable, because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then returned. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas. And he said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you've been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minus. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we pray that you would speak by your Holy Spirit through your sacred scriptures. That you would speak personally and powerfully to us in this moment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, The last week of school is always an interesting week. Uh, It's it's an interesting week for kids because they're like, we don't do anything. We're not doing anything. You know, like, we're just watching a movie. I don't even need to go. Why why are we going to school? I don't even need to go, you know. And, you know, depending upon what your kids are like, they really, really want to go because that's when school is fun, when they're not doing anything. Or they really, really don't want to go because it's just boring because they're not doing anything, you know, and different personalities engage that last week of school. Like, you know, and it's always interesting for teachers that last week of school too because it's like, it's a great relief because, you know, I'm not, it's not intense. I'm not preparing for anything, but then it's like, but I've got to find something to do to keep my kids busy, right? Because all the work is done, all the grades are put in, and yet we still have just a few days left before it's all over, right? So knowing that school is almost over leads us to stop Working. This is what Jesus was seeking to correct in the disciples. The disciples thought they knew what was about to happen, right? Jesus, let us finish your sentence for you. Um, And they thought they're nearing Jerusalem and they thought that Jesus was about to immediately bring his kingdom in full. They're they're coming and they think that Jesus is about to immediately sit on the throne and begin to rule uh, his people in his place in the flesh, in that moment. But Jesus wanted them to know it's not going to happen immediately, and there's still work to be done. Look at this with me in the opening verses, verse 11 uh, 11 again. Uh, As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Now, where we get into trouble when we're interpreting parables is we over-interpret. We look to every little sentence and every little thing in a parable, and we try to attach some sort of spiritual meaning to those things. And that's not the way parables are to be interpreted. A, A parable is a story told to communicate one big idea generally, generally speaking. That's what's going on. Well, let's kind of engage this parable so that we can understand what is that big idea that Jesus was seeking to get across as he told Uh, this this parable well he told the parable again because the disciples thought that the kingdom of God was about to come immediately Jesus knew he was about to go to the cross to die in our place for our sins the greatest demonstration of love that we've ever seen the son of God hanging on the cross in our place hallelujah we can be forgiven and free because he bore our sins on the cross He knew he was going to rise from the dead. He knew that he was going to gather his disciples around and give them a mission, a global mission, a global mission that was going to require their full-on effort, their full-on focus, their full-on heart. Jesus was going to die for sins, rise from the dead, and give a mission that would end up costing many of the disciples their lives as they were faithful to the mission. And he wanted them to understand hey, 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 it's not the last week of school. We're not done yet. We're just getting going. I'm titling the sermon this morning, um, The Semester Isn't Over, because that's kind of like what Jesus, it's like the semester was just getting going. Jesus was about to give them a mission. He didn't want them checking out, He didn't want them thinking the, king, the kingdom's coming immediately. He wanted them to pray, Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's gonna come. So, so he tells this, this parable. And he tells about a king who goes away to receive a kingdom. And, and there is some, there is like clearly he's teaching about himself. He's he's gonna go away and he's gonna come back. And he's entrusting these minas, which a mina was like a, a three-months wage. So he so in this story, the king entrusts three months' wage, and he says, Go conduct a business and multiply this wage. In other words, in other words, in the story. The king is giving a mina, he's, giving, he's entrusting something to these servants, and he says, I want you to go and invest it, I want you to go and steward it, I want you to go and spend it wisely so that it has a profitable result. So the king goes away, the king comes back, and, and here comes the man with the ten, the ten minas, your, 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 rather your mina, it's now made ten minas. And what does the king say? Well done. Well done, good servant. And then comes along a man that he said, what I've done with what you've given me has made five minas. And he says, you're going to be entrusted with five cities. And then the man who was given a mina but didn't do anything with it. Didn't do anything with it. He was entrusted with something and he did nothing with it. The king says, Take that mina, give it to the man with ten. And, and, and in the story, they're like freaking out. But they've got ten minas. Why are you taking it from him and giving it to him? And then Jesus says kind of this proverbial saying that, that he who has, you know, let's just read it. Let's, let's see what he says here. He said, why, why, why ten minas? And Jesus said, take the mina from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Verse 25. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given but the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. He's, he's painting this picture that, that when the king comes and returns, those that have truly gone all in and invested, it's just going to be outpouring their reward. Um, but those that did nothing, they're going to have nothing. It's only going to be judgment when we do nothing with what we've Entrusted. here's the big idea that Jesus is trying to get across in this parable don't miss this don't get don't miss the forest for the trees don't overanalyze every little phrase and don't miss this leverage your life for Jesus and you'll enjoy the results and rewards that's the big idea that Jesus is saying here leverage your life for Jesus. Jesus represents the king. He's entrusting these minas to the servants in the story. There's something being entrusted to them, and, and Jesus is teaching this parable because he wants us, who have now been entrusted with life, he wants his disciples, who are going to be entrusted with the message of the gospel, who are going to be entrusted with the, the spirit. He, he wants us to leverage it, to invest it, to multiply. You, Does that sound familiar? What is our vision in real life? It's to be a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. You see this in the scriptures, that there's this one mina turned into ten, because the man took it and he invested it strategically, winsomely. So so I could have said that the big idea was um, live for Jesus, live for Jesus, and you'll enjoy uh, the results and the rewards. But I use this word leverage because I think that that accurately depicts what's going on in the story that Jesus tells. I think that accurately depicts what's going on in the parable. In in other words, in the story, the king entrusts a mina then he goes away to receive his kingdom. And he comes back having expected them to strategically do something with the mina that he gave them. So he's expecting not just that they would live, but rather that they would leverage it, leverage it. Now, you know what a lever is, right? You can kind of see a lever. I thought about bringing like bricks and a board in here, but it's like a seesaw, you know, that's right. You remember the old seesaw on a playground, you know? And, you know, like when, like if you were the little kid, like you always wanted the big kid to get on the other end of the seesaw to see if you'd like get some air. Do you remember that? You know, you'd be like, hey, you know, sometimes, you you know, if you couldn't find a big kid, you'd be like, give me three kids. Give You guys come over here and like all sit down at the same time to see if I can get some air. Do you remember that on the playground? Maybe it was just me. I don't know. That's what it means to, to leverage it. It, it. it means we're going to put so much focus right here to generate something, to to generate something. So so as we think about leveraging our lives for Jesus, what we're talking about is intentionally, passionately, strategically investing our life. Not coasting, not wishy-washy, not distracted, not too busy, not apathetic. Instead, focused and resolved in our commitment to Jesus. You can break it down simply as as we we leverage our time, our most valuable asset. We leverage our talents, the way God has made us and the gifts that he's given us. And we leverage our treasure, the resources that he's entrusted to us. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. That's what it looks like to leverage your life for Jesus. In other words, we're going to walk out of here today. Monday morning is going to come rolling in. And we're going to be living our lives For someone or something. There's going to be an ultimate purpose. There's going to be an ultimate passion. And Jesus is telling this to his disciples to say, The semester's not over. You can't coast. We're not just watching movies today. (laughs) I have work for you to do. And that's what Jesus is saying to us today. I have work for you to do. Work that's going to take your time. And work that's going to take your talent. And work that's going to take your, your treasures. Um, what we see is that if we leverage our life for Jesus, in this story, this big idea that Jesus is seeking to teach us, if we leverage our life for Jesus, we get to enjoy the results. We get to enjoy the results. When you begin to live your life for Jesus, you begin to see the fruit of what God does through your life. Now, some of you here this morning, you haven't yet experienced that because you just can't imagine that God God would use you. You're just struggling to believe that God even loves you. Hey, I've got good news for you. Not only does God love you, but God has great purposes where he wants to advance his mission and demonstrate his glory through your life. That's why he filled us with his spirit. He filled us with his spirit because he has work for us to do, work to advance his gospel, work to see his kingdom come on this earth, work to display his glory on this earth. Listen, friends, God is not just concerned with you. He has chosen you for his mission, his purpose. His purpose. So if you're coasting or if you're distracted, wake up! That was the purpose of that last phrase. Look at it down there with me in verse 27. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. That's shocking language, isn't it? We don't even like, we don't even like to imagine what that looks like and Jesus used this provocative language to wake us up to say life is really important <laughs> and if you're bored you've missed what life is all about because there's a mission and the king is coming back and we're going to stand before him and say here's our mina which is our life here's our my, here's what I've done with the life you've given me Here's what I've done with my time. Here's what I've done with my talents. Here's what I've done with my treasures. So how are you leveraging what he's entrusted to you? The results are amazing. I mean, the the results that we get to enjoy are amazing. When you go all in for Jesus, just imagine imagine one of your friends who's far from God, and imagine them coming to church as a result of you. Not only imagine them coming to church as a result of you, but um, imagine them coming to church, experiencing the presence of Jesus, hearing the good news of the gospel, and opening up their heart in faith and becoming a born-again Christian because of your influence in their life. Imagine not only them coming to church and getting saved, but actually getting saved and and then being baptized. Just imagine your friend right now who doesn't go to church. Imagine them right out here in our lobby being baptized, giving praise to God, telling a story about how they were going their own way. And and the Holy Spirit got a hold of them. And then somewhere in their story, they say something about you. You see, those are the results we get to enjoy. And there's nothing better than when one of our friends say, I'd still be going down my dark path if my friend hadn't persistently loved me, hadn't persistently invited me to church. The results are amazing. Imagine your friend not only coming to church and not only getting saved and not only being baptized, but joining a community group where they find a family, where friends... Where strangers become friends and friends become family, they actually find a family that support them through tough times and pray for them when they need support and help. Just imagine God using you to see your friend have a complete 180 in their life. This can happen. Imagine your your friend who's today far from God. Now they're in a group and now they're giving to the Lord and now they're signing up for our next mission trip. And now they're investing their own money to go across the seas to take the gospel that they once didn't even know about. Now they're taking the gospel. To somebody that that needs to hear it in another country, can you imagine God using you to to stoke something in someone else's heart? The results are just—they're unspeakably good. When we see God work in people's lives who we love, the the results are just unspeakably good. That's what—that's a picture of the one I'm making ten. That's what the picture is. It's—it's a picture of I'm one life. But my one life is going to impact a lot of other lives. We're to leverage our life. And when we do, we get to enjoy the results. You know, we as a church family, over the next next year, we're going to be investing our resources to see a building built on land that we've purchased. We're going to see a building go up. And in that building, we're going to experience a ministry of hospitality, hospitality relationships are going to be built. Community is going to be drawn into this building. It's going to be a discipleship hub where people read the Bible for the first time and they grow in the likeness of Jesus. It's going to be amazing. And the results, when we enjoy that facility, can you just imagine it right now on that land? When we enjoy that facility, it's going to be so sweet, that result of walking in and gathering together as a family in a place that's ours, that belongs to us. It's the Lord's, his people's. Well, that's going to happen because we leverage our time and our talent and our treasures. But it's going to be so sweet. And that's what we see in this parable is that there's a result. But not only a result, there's a reward. So, th- so there's, a, there's, a, there's a result and a reward. And the, re- the reward is, is now you're entrusted. You're entrusted with cities to rule and reign over. That's what happened in the parable and in the story. A lot of us have confusion about what heaven is going to be like and we're not so sure we want to go there because we just imagine it's like angels and harps and on clouds you know and that just you know it's like I don't really like harp music you know and but when we pay really close attention to the Bible we understand that God's going to bring a brand new earth where we're going to rule and reign with Jesus In a physical earth, in a glorified earth, we're not going to have any temptation towards sin. It's going to be fully eradicated. Our work is not going to be by the sweat of our brow. It's going to be full bliss enjoyment as God intended for it in the beginning. And we're going to enjoy every. You're not going to have a Monday, you know. Like you're not going to wake up going, I don't want to go to work. We're all going to like bounce out of bed overwhelmed with joy and the privilege of serving the Lord Jesus. Well, how good is it going to be? Well, that is in part determined in what we do with what he's entrusting to us now. How good is it going to be? Well, what we're entrusted with, in, in other words, the capacity of what we're going to get to enjoy is in part dependent upon what we do with what he's entrusting to us now. The man whose mina made ten minors. You're, you're entrusted with ten cities. The man whose mina made five minus. You're entrusted with five cities to rule and reign over. We're going to have responsibility. It's going to be great joy serving the Lord, ruling in, in the new her, in the new earth with the Lord Jesus. Um, so there's going to be great rewards. In church, listen to me. I love you. And on that day when our king returns, I want it to be the happiest day possible for you. And the way that it can be the happiest day possible is if you leverage your life for Jesus. If you leverage it. You leverage your life for Jesus. Um, As I think about something being leveraged, um, (laughs) what came to my mind is like the blob at kids' camp. How many of you have ever been to kids' camp and you've done the blob? You guys know what I'm talking about? For those of you that haven't yet been to kids' camp, you may want to sign up to go to kids' camp after you watch this video of the blob. But at kids' camp, typically, they have a blob, and this is what the blob looks like. Let's see if we can show this first video. Here we go. This isn't our kids' camp, but we have a blob at kids' camp. So some leverage is about to happen. He's about to put some focus, force. And it's going to result in something. And it's going to be a reward. The kids love it. Results and reward. Are you ready for it? Here it comes. What does it look like to leverage your life for Jesus? Massive results. Massive rewards. Let's go. I <laughs> love it. I love it. You can imagine like a kid giving. This is going to be awesome. What happened in the, what was it? Thanks, yeah. The focused force. The The focused force. I think if, we all immediately recognize there's resistance to us leveraging our life for Jesus, isn't there? There's great resistance. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Paul writes it this way And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Do you see that? Paul's writing about what our life was like before Christ became the Lord of our life, before Jesus stepped into our life. And he describes three specific things here that even now, even though we've now come to a a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, even now there's resistance in our life and there's three aspects. Do you see it in this verse? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. The course of this world the way of the world the values of the world following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air that's the devil the prince of the power of the air an enemy who wants to resist us from leveraging our life for jesus and then the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our what flesh So there's resistance seeking to keep us from leveraging our life for Jesus, and we see that it's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so here's the good news, is that all of us that are followers of Jesus, we have the Spirit in us, and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so the world, the values of the world, this this self-exalting materialism, greed, and in a saturation of an entertainment, the way of the world, exalting self. The flesh, laziness, lust, and pride in our life. A lot of times we, we blame things on the devil when it's, no, it's just, it's just me. It's not the devil's fault. It's my fault. It's my flesh. And, but then we have the devil, and the devil seeks to distract and deceive us. He seeks to distract us with strife. He seeks to stir up dissension. Do you have an argument on the way to church this morning? There's one person that loves that, and that's the devil. He seeks to distract from leveraging our life by stirring up strife. And he seeks to deceive with shame. He seeks to accuse with shame. And all of these things can weigh us down and distract us and get us off base from leveraging our life. But did you see that kid when he jumped off? He was like, I'm going to focus. I'm going to jump right there, and if I hit it, he's flying up. There's a result, and he's enjoying every minute of it. There's a reward. So we want to leverage our lives for Jesus. That's the whole point of this parable, is to leverage our life for Jesus, not coast, not be apathetic, to truly go all in. Um, So what if we don't? What, What if you're here this morning, and you're like, Pastor, great sermon, cute video. I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy. Maybe later I'll get serious about following Jesus. Would you look back at the text with me just for a moment? Look at verse 20. Then another came saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you were a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. Now there's nothing in the text that leads us To believe that what the man is saying about the king is true. That's just the way he's describing him. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow? It's like, really? Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. In other words, here's a man that was entrusted with something... And he did nothing with it. He didn't even do, he didn't even do the, the minimalistic, like, just stick it in the bank and it'll grow. Friends, is your life leveraged for Jesus? Have you taken a step to serve? Have you begun to give? Are you meeting with the Lord Jesus? Are you loving those around you? Are you caring for those around you? Or are you just coasting and observing and spectating? What if, what if we don't leverage our lives? Well, it gets worse. Look at Look at verse 27, but as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, just pause there, that's the majority of the people that were around. They don't want King Jesus to rule and reign over them. They want to be in charge of their own lives. We struggle with that, don't we? We want to be in charge of our own lives. So what if, what if we just decide, no thank you, I'll play religion, I'll appease my spouse, but I'm not going to have Jesus king over my life. A judgment day is coming and it's not going to be pleasant. But as for these enemies of mine, how do you make yourself an enemy of God? You say, I don't want you to be my king. That's how you make yourself an enemy of God. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Jesus is telling a story. He's not unpacking a detailed explanation of what judgment is going to be like. He's telling a story to pack a punch. But, but don't miss the point. He uses such a a shocking image of slaughter to wake us up, to wake us up. So friend, are you here today and do you need to receive Jesus as your king? Does today need to be the day of salvation in your life where you say, I'm done playing religion, I'm done running from God, I'm going to turn to Jesus and I'm going to receive him as my king and Lord. Listen, Jesus wanted this story to wake us up, and to move us toward leveraging our life so that we can enjoy the results and the rewards. So, friends, don't stick your head in the spiritual sand today. Don't do it. Um, I've, got a, I've got a better video um, of, of leveraging. Um, I want you guys to see it. So, what if you do go all in with Jesus? What, what if you do get passionate and intentional and strategic about living your life and leveraging your life, your time and your talents and your treasures? What if, what if you leverage it for him? I, I, think, I think this tells a good story. Let's check it out. I've looked it up, the world record blob launch is like, under 20 metres. Oh wow, we're gonna so, that. So, we could double it. Up it goes, up it goes! I can't see you, Ruthie, but I believe in you! So, so it's Ruthie's not a, a, a an actual person on the end of the blob. If this is the first How Ridiculous video you've ever seen, then... Yeah, this is us. Oh, stuff, cars up! Three, two, one... <laughs> Fly, Ruthie! Yeah! Yes! Right. Yes! Yeah, Ruthie! Yeah, Ruthie! All right! Just listen, listen to what he says. Yeah, Ruthie Lee, you star. She's lost her hair and it all. Ruthie! Yeah! yeah. Did you see how many flips she did? It was perfect! The she Lord was checked. like as high as the crane! And did you see? She was flipping but she was fully like arms <laughs> out straight. Oh, Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable result! Did you hear it? Did you hear what said? Unbelievable! Friends, listen. God has a dream for your life god has a dream for your life and god's dream for your life is that you might leverage it so that out of the overflow of your life there's an unbelievable result so the result was amazing in that in that leverage right that that doll was shot so high up in it but then the reward did you hear those grown men squealing like kids you know like running around with their cameras It's like the reward for them. It was so, so sweet. Listen, a day is coming when the rewards that we're going to enjoy and experience with the Lord Jesus, it's just going to be unspeakably sweet. We're going to be squealing like kids. It's just going to be a day of celebration. When we leverage our life for Jesus, a day is coming when we're going to squeal like kids because the rewards are going to be unspeakably good. Friends. Let's leverage our lives for Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Oh God, we pray that you by your spirit would stir in us powerfully today, that we would throw off apathy, that we would throw off laziness, that we would, we would throw off the, the ways of the world and the flesh and the devil. We would resist the devil and we would see him flee from us. Father, I pray, have mercy on our church. Pour out your spirit in a fresh way. Captivate our hearts. Oh God, we just confess we're so distracted. We're so deceived. But with a fresh outpouring of your spirit, something beautiful and powerful could happen in an ongoing way. So Lord, do it for your glory, we pray. Do it for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand, let's sing out, church. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real, keep it Jesus.